That's funny. That's funny. Praise God. Um, <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> God bless you all. So we will be reading from Genesis chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, um, I believe we will be doing a little bit of reading. I say I believe we will because um, I know that the Lord has a way of throwing curveballs, so to speak. And when I say curveballs, what I mean is everything is subject to what the Spirit of God wants and how he decides this uh, meeting will be governed and, and be directed and led. But with that said, I want to invite our prayerful um, hearts. I want to invite that we would pray in this moment. Um, as I often say, I trust that we would elim uh, eliminate any forms of distraction. Um, I understand we're on Zoom and we're using our phones. Um, what I like to do is put don't disturb so notifications and text messages don't pop up. Obviously, if you if it's something very very important, then attend to it. Uh, but you must you must understand you must remember that this is a sacred time, and God only honors those who honor Him. Um, just as you will not expect to, for people to be checking their phones if you were to get married on your wedding day distracted what what sort of contempt will that show for such a sacred day and so i i i would i would you all to remember that this is not just a gathering this is a sacred a sacred uh sacred gathering <clears throat> the bible describes us as the ecclesia um the called out ones the assembled it's the assembly, the church, the, the called out ones, the, the holy ones. We are holy unto the Lord, right? And do not, be mis, do not misconstrue this fact that though there is a significant difference, distance between us all, that the Holy Spirit, the anointing is, is tangible. The Holy Spirit is tangible and is not confined, limited, to any geographical location. He's not limited to distance. He's not limited to, for those of you in Europe, they use kilometers. And for us Americans, he's not limited by miles. <laughs> right? I, I hope I got that right. I, I hope I remember correctly that you guys use kilometers. Um, but we're, he's not limited by geographical location. He's not limited by demographics. He's not limited um, by absence or presence of individuals in a particular place. And so as we assemble together and as we pray, this time is sacred, it's holy unto the Lord. And so I, I would I would figuratively say to us all, take off our sandals for we're, we're standing on holy ground. I, I don't mean that literally. <clears throat> Some of you better keep your sandals on. Um, anyways. But we are nonetheless assembling together to hear the word of the Lord, to assemble together in his presence. And uh, I desire nothing less than his presence. And I pray that you all share the same value 
You all share the same sentiment. You all share the same intent and motive. And so in this time, I want to ask that we would pray and we would see God's face. Father, we we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come. We ask, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that your precious Spirit would come. Father, we desire the anointing. We desire your power. We desire, O God, a fresh touch from you. We desire your holy word. We desire you, Lord. I pray, God, right now that you would break every bondage. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break every yoke. I pray that the anointing would rest so heavily in this place. I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would dispel every lie of the devil. I pray that you would dispel every lie that the enemy has tried to set up in the minds of your people and the hearts of your people to get them to believe a delusion to believe, a lie to believe that they're worthless, to believe anything that is contrary to your word. God, I pray that your word would serve as a two-edged sword that would cut into pieces every single lie, every single self-defeating thought, every single immobilizing thought. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would set at liberty every single soul that has been in bondage up until now. That your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would energize us, would give us freedom, would give us victory, would give give us a triumphant voice, a triumphant song, a new song unto the Lord. May joy preside in this place. May peace, Lord God, pervade in this place. May hope, Lord God, reign in this place. Lord, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so, Father, I pray that you would grant us all liberty. May no single person in this place, Lord, be indebted to um, their past. May they not be indebted to the expectation, the impositions of man or society or an organization or anything else that would try to oppress, try to immobilize, try to impede them, Lord God. Would you, Lord, give them the ability, Lord God, to grasp a hold of your garment, Lord God, and that virtue would come out of you, Lord. I pray that heaven would come in this meeting, that we would commune with you, Lord. We would we would commune with the living God. We would have a precious time in the Holy Ghost. God, I ask of you, Lord, give hope to the hopeless. For those of uh, in this group, Lord, that have thought that they have been overlooked, that you have passed them by. God, I pray today you would show up and you would manifest your fatherly love to them, Lord. Holy Spirit, we, we long for your presence. God, we ask that you would come. May it be very real in this place. May it be very real in this meeting, O oh Lord. Fill every hungry heart. Fill every hungry soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of Almighty God, we pray that we would increase in intimacy. We would increase, increase, Lord God, in confidence in your word. 
Father, I pray that you would give me prophetic utterance, that you would give me, O oh Lord, the, the exact words to speak to every single person's situation. God, grant direction, grant guidance, grant clarity, grant light, dispel darkness, convict of sin if necessary, comfort people in their, in their downcast moments, Lord. Search and examine. Search and examine, O oh Lord. Lord, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <clears throat> Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> and amen. 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 Lord of God. Amen. I want to be talking about Joseph, Joseph today, and Joseph, he's a, he's a dreamer, and when I say dreamer, I don't take it in the way that a lot of motivational speakers would take it today, he, he is, um, by the way, um, just uh, another forewarning, just let you guys know um, if your guys' mics are not muted, just make sure they're muted because I don't want anyone caught off guard who's saying something, yelling at the baby or or anything like that. Or I don't know. Um, I don't want anyone embarrassed. Um, but I don't, I don't mean it in the sense of how a lot of motivational speakers mean it today, like dream big or anything like that. A lot of the dreams that we we say that we have, and when I say we, I'm not talking about us as the church. I'm talking about at large, those that say dream big and follow your dreams are of human imagination, are of, it's, it's human in its origin. It's human in its beginning. It's, it's, it's imaginative after the humans, after mankind's imagination after man's will but joseph on the contrary he is not experiencing a dream that is of 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 man's um imagination rather he is gifted by almighty god he's gifted by the lord himself he's gifted um not only as a dreamer but as as an adequate interpreter of dreams and I want to kind of survey his life as an example. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 that these things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Once again, the Bible says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. They were not written to us directly, but they were written to the ancient, our ancient forefathers, if I might say that. But they are nonetheless written for our learning. There are principles and statutes and laws and, and ways of God. That's why David made it his habit to muse upon the works, uh, on the, upon the scriptures, because he says, therein do we um, attain wisdom. We learn of God. We learn of his ways. We need revelation in the scriptures. And while the scriptures 
are necessary for revelation. They are not sufficient. We need the Holy Spirit to breathe upon those scriptures and learn the ways of God, learn who he is, learn what he hates, learn what he loves. And it must be integrated within our very being. It must be fabricated. It must uh, be interwoven within the fabric fabric of our, our very souls. It must become who we are how we view life, how we view people, how we view um, prayer, how we view and, and how our affections reach unto eternity. But David made it, made it his habit to muse upon the works of the Lord. But Joseph, going back to the idea of Joseph, I want to kind of settle on his life to take out from it certain principles in hopes of paralleling it to our lives. <clears throat> And so in Genesis chapter 37, it begins in verse 2. It says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, I just want to say on the side, it's very distressing and it's very sad that this is nonetheless the case today. When the father shows grace and the father shows love um, and he sets it upon uh, the life of a particular brother or a particular sister, how often is it the case that there are brothers that will show envy or there are sisters that will show envy to that person to whom God has lavished his love upon? This is expressed in many forms. I, I've seen, I've seen um, uh, backsliders come to, back to repentance and sad, sadly, the church was did not readily accept such persons. <clears throat> the father was showing his love to his people, and there you had uh, some some of the older brothers, if I might say that, in the parable of the prodigal son, who were displeased at the fact that God would accept back his children. You know, but the Bible says that he delights that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes back to repentance. And that not only refers to those who have never come to Christ in the first place, but it also refers to those who had backslidden and have won their brother or sister unto the Lord. But this isn't something Joseph had earned. This isn't something that he had labored for. How do we know that? The Bible makes it very clear that uh, that the father's love was set upon him because he was the the last child. He was the baby child. And so we know that this wasn't because something that Joseph labored for, because it was outside of his control. He had no control over the, the chronological, uh, uh, the chronology of his birth. He was not, he had no control over the date of his birth. And so what does that imply for us? 
that we as the people of God have been born not after the will of man, not by our own will, not by something that we concocted or something we controlled, but rather by the divine grace of Almighty God, the sovereign mercy of God that says, I'm going to give birth to another child. And what he's experiencing in his early years is he's operating, he, he's, he's maintaining a mundane, displeasurable, uh, toilsome, laborious um, job. A job that he's not so, maybe he is happy of it. I know David liked attending to the sheep, but I'm not quite sure if Joseph did. The text doesn't say, but there's maybe some of us here would like attending to the sheep, but be be advised that it, it requires cleaning cleaning dung off of the sheep and smelling like sheep and having to go after the sheep. Maybe imagine that there's 99 and one leaves and he travels, them, I don't know, uh, 500 yards and he's stuck somewhere. You have to clean them up and then you bring them back and the right one, you brought that one back, another one left. It's like, man, can I just get around to herding all of them together? <laughs> isn't that how it is in the church sister so-and-so leaves brother so-and-so oh we got to pull this person back by the ear again in love but you know not in shame or anything like that <laughs> in love kind of like you you know you you know what you're doing come back you know we love you <laughs> um but he's attending to to the sheep. He's in the pastures. He's attending this flock. <coughs> and his brothers hate him. His brothers hate him, not because he's rich or wealthy, because of the love of the fathers upon him. And then what happens is their envy of him then motivates a conspiracy motivates them to conspire a plot against their own flesh and blood. And I want to say this right now, that the enemies of your household will be your own flesh and blood. Uh, the, 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 your flesh and blood will be the enemies of your own household. Jesus says this and makes it very clear. He says, a time will come that when they kill you, they think they're going to be offering service unto God. They're going to slander you. They're going to malign you. They're going to tell you a bunch of nonsense. And they're going to say, oh, this, this, and that. And you were better when you were on drugs. You were better when you were smoking uh, crack, when you were drinking, getting drunk. You were far better when you were promiscuous. Now you want to say that you're trying to save yourself for marriage? You've been brainwashed. And that's true. Our brain has been washed in the blood of Jesus. And it, it, would, it would serve them well to wash their own brain too. Amen. Hallelujah. Instead of polluting it by, uh, <laughs> by uh, Dr. Fauci and, <laughs> and all these other guys. And, or who, whoever's popular today. Um, uh, I'm not even going to try to name the people, but you get the point that we're indoctrinated by society. We're indoctrinated by education um, or uh, indoctrination. We're, we're indoctrinated by society. <clears throat> Advertisements, uh, uh, billboards, alluring for your attention. 
unwanted uh, solicitation, unwanted uh, advertisements that just pop up on your Instagram, pop up on your Facebook, pop up on LinkedIn or wherever else that you're uh, socializing on media. And it's the plot of the devil. But nonetheless, our enemies will be those of our own household. And in some cases, they're your enemies because you're a jerk and you're, you're living an inconsistent life. But on the other hand, there are many of us who are being persecuted because of our loyalty to Jesus. Our loyalty to Jesus. So <clears throat> this is what Joseph is experiencing. He's experiencing hatred from his own brothers, and they plot to kill him. And so what ends up happening is they end up throwing him in a well. So Reuben stands in the gap, and he doesn't want to kill his brother, but he can't allow the other brothers to know that because they're quite a bit in number that it was potential possible that they would turn on him. And so he suggests, you know, let, let's just throw him in the well. And I would say that this is figurative because there was no water in the well. Joseph found himself in a dry place. Joseph fell him, found himself in the bottom of a pit. And this is the very exact same language that David uses to describe. And, and it's very common. Jeremiah the prophet was thrown in a well. He was thrown in a pit. <clears throat> David found himself in many pits. And you know what? Sometimes our enemy or circumstances try to throw us in pits. And it's it's difficult to get out if you're not provided assistance. In fact, it's, I would, maybe it's impossible to get out if you have no assistance. And that's why it's in those times that we pray, God, rescue us. God, deliver us. God, you are our rescuer. You are our captain. You are our salvation. There is no deliverance apart from you. Lord, hear our cry. Answer the petition of our lips. <clears throat> but they end up throwing him in a pit. And Reuben said, you know what? Let's not kill our brother. Let, let's, uh, let's throw him in this pit here. And, and what he was doing, he was trying to buy time. But as Reuben left, the, the rest of the brothers said, you know what? Here's some traitors. Um, not traitors like someone, you know, betrays you, but they, they're like, I, I'm assuming there were merchants, they were trading and there were Ishmaelites. And he says, you know what, let's sell our brother to these Ishmaelites. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 37, verses 21 through 22. Uh, no, it's, uh, verse 28. <clears throat> and it says, then the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Isn't that interesting? He parallels, he typifies Jesus in that Jesus was sold for 30 shekels into bondage and Joseph was sold for 20 shekels into bondage. And there's going to be a lot of people in our lives when we dream our dreams. When I, when I say dream our dreams, I don't want us to think of motivation. I'm talking about the things that God has told you to fulfill. 
for you, for the promises that God has given you. And, and here's the thing, you got to be careful with who you share things with, because not everyone's going to rejoice. Not everyone's going to parade you. Not everyone's going to celebrate you. And I learned this early in my walk with the Lord. I thought that everybody who named the name of Christ was going to rejoice when I rejoiced, wept when I wept. But I found out the hard way that a lot of them are lemon-sucking sour Christians. <laughs> They're not happy for you. And they will have to put on a front and even mask a, 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 a response that that fulfills what you expect them to do but the reality is that there are a lot of undercover camouflaged christians that are really your enemy that are really plotting your downfall and and, and a lot of cases it's because they're really ravenous wolves and they're no children of god to begin with and if you lack discernment from the holy spirit you're going to misinterpret the people that you've allowed into your influence but sometimes it genuinely is the case that people are immature they're insecure i can't tell you how many people i've had that were insecure around me and they they've with their underhanded ways, would do something to undercut me in ministry because they wanted the limelight. And meanwhile, I'm seeing everything and I'm not saying anything. And I'm praying. I say, you know what, Lord? I know that I want your will more than they want it. So it's going to be a matter of time until you position me wherever you've called me to be. It don't matter who comes against me. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Along with him, the thing that was most hardest for heaven to give is far beyond comparison to the small promises of the Lord that God will fulfill in his time. Despite whether the devil comes against you, despite whether or not uh, the society comes against you, a nation comes against you. And some people think this is um, pie in the sky talk. You're out of your mind to say such things. Oh, you're saying that right now, but it come time for you to your test to be faith, uh, your faith to be tested. You're not going to say that. Get real. You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No, the problem is that, and I genuinely believe this, a lot of us are so carnally minded, we are no heavenly good. But look at what look at what the prophet of old said. There are more of us than there are of them. But you need spiritual revelation to gain insight into those things. You need to have a faith that other people would consider ridiculous, consider out of touch, out of tune with reality. And and no, in fact, we're in greater tune with reality because we see what other men do not see. That's why a lot of these cessationists don't like prophecy because their intellect can't make sense of it. What do you mean God told you? Yeah, God told me. He lives in me. I live in him. I abide in him. I commune with him. There's no further explanation needed than that. 
I don't need an argument. My life is an argument of God's truth. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It's not pride. It's, it's confidence in the Lord Jesus. Amen. But what happens is they sell him into slavery. And then when we come down to Genesis chapter 39, verses two through six, is they throw, he finds himself subject to slavery. But even in subjection to an Egyptian as a slave, he still finds success in those in that time and i can use the word success there and and it's sad that the society has perverted that word to mean something that it doesn't mean because we have hearts that covet after luxury covet after idolatrous money not that there's anything wrong with money in itself but it can become an idol but the Bible explicitly uses the word success. Everything that Joseph was laying his hand to, even when he was in slavery, was prospering. Everything he laid his hand to. Why? Because the Bible says that the success that was given unto him was from the Lord. <coughs> it was from God. It wasn't from anybody else. It wasn't because he was good looking. Even though the Bible says he was handsome in form of an appearance, people have pointed that out and say the Bible's biased. How dare, because what that implies is others are not so handsome. It, don't take it up with me. It's just what the Bible says, you know. But he, 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 he was handsome. He had favor from God. And that's how you know that you really have favor is that you can be placed in some of the most pressing circumstances, most unpleasant situations. You can be pressed under hardship and God is still prospering you in those times and in those situations. It doesn't matter whether you're in a position of authority or whether you're subject to a master. doesn't matter whether you're working at Burger King or whether you're preaching on the streets. In either case, God is going to uh, uh, communicate to those enemies around you that he has set his love upon you. And he's going to grant success by the work and the labor of your hands. God can prevent the crops from producing in the barren lives of people, and it can cause a sevenfold increase of, of, of flourishing abundance in the, the soil of your life. Amen. And it's a way that he attests to the wicked, and he attests to the envious and the jealous siblings that you have in Christ, that God has set his love upon you, and he will make any man great, and this isn't unbiblical to say this, he will make any man or woman great who seeks out to make his name great. And he will undercut every single person that is out for self-glory. The Bible says he searches to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking for a heart that is completely his. And I believe the Spirit of God is still asking that today. Where is that heart? When the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? 
whose heart is completely his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Are our hearts completely his? See, God's going to need your heart to be completely his if he's going to fulfill the promises that he said in your life because your character and integrity is no greater than your heart for God. And, And your character and integrity serves as the bedrock of the infrastructure that God wants to construct on that. So if your character is shaky, the building's going to come tumbling down. And God loves you too much to give you what you long for until he perfects and sanctifies and washes and cleanses your heart. He doesn't want you to go through the motions and go throughout life and obtain all that you pray for so that 20 years later you see it all come crashing down. He wants that your work in him, your labor in him, your construction for him, your seeking after him, all that you obtain in him to last and to endure because God doesn't want a destructive property. He doesn't want it to, uh, to fade. He wants it to abide. He wants it to stand the test of the fire. So he has to put your heart through fire. Hallelujah. He has to put our hearts through tests. He doesn't want you to go get your PhD if you haven't learned your A's and C's. <clears throat> I appreciate Sister Andrea learning all these languages. Um, hopefully, Lord willing, God makes you a, a, a linguist or an instructor in languages, Lord willing. But I've tried to undertake Greek myself, and I can tell you it's a it's a difficult process to learn the grammar and the inflections and and uh, declensions and and moods and participles, tenses, all these other things of a whole other language, and get it ingrained within your whole vocabulary, and be able to read fluently. It's difficult. And so God sometimes is going to put you in foreign situations so you learn that which is difficult. But you know what? Whether in the master's house, in slavery, or in the pastures, God is granting us success because we're his people. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor. just messing guys we do that a lot over here in america and a lot of our churches turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor Uh, you know to be honest we don't want our neighbors to tell us something because some of their breasts stink (laughs) like i just you know what i honestly i've I've got when i hear that i just i just stonewall them (laughs) (laughs) I don't see you. <laughs> stop stop it. I'm tired of that. <laughs> Preacher's saying it every other paragraph. Anyways. Um but he found success in this time. And what happens <coughs> excuse me. 
what happens is during this time, Potiphar's wife is trying to lay claim to him. Trying to entice him. Trying to snatch him up for herself. And thank the Lord that Joseph has integrity. He says, how can I sin against God? And he flees away from Potiphar's wife. And see, this is how the enemy is not content. Everywhere God places you, the Lord is prospering you. You're seeing the increase. And here comes the enemy. He couldn't succeed in getting uh, people to kill you. So he wants to ruin the destiny of God on your life by other means. If he can't get you this way, he's going to get you that way. If he can't get you by yourself, he can't get you to discourage. He'll discourage your siblings because he knows if your siblings are discouraged, then you will grow discouraged. And so, so he finds himself here, but he runs. And the enemy will take the smallest bit of evidence and distort it. He'll take the smallest little thing. This is what happened with a lot of great ministers of God today. Is these, these um, how, how can I say that? How can I call them? <clears throat> they're sort of, a, they're, they're sort of, a, they have a, how can, I'm, I'm trying to find the words here. They have a fantasy uh, for, trying to go witch hunting and so they're trying to find every single person on youtube while they're sucking potato chips in their mom's basement uh to 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 come against true ministers of god they're like oh look at what they said look at what they said and then they'll take everything out of context just to uh uh fit their narrative to to undercut these people of god and so in in like manner joseph they take his garment and what she does, she uses this garment and says, oh, he tried to sleep with me. You know, he, he tried to do this. And so they will take this and misapply it. And that's what the devil does with everything. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a master con artist in the art of misapplication. He misapplies God word, God's word. He misapplied what you said to someone. He will misapply this and misapply that because he's a master manipulator and so what happens is joseph gets thrown into prison and so meanwhile understand maybe the psychology and the understanding of joseph how he's thinking in this time that he was uh he was given a dream by god and what was that dream that is that his brothers would bow down to him and that he would rule so when his brothers conspire against him and he finds himself in a well, he says, it certainly ain't here. The promise of God isn't manifest here. He gets thrown, he, he, he gets sold into slavery. It's not there. And when he began to find success and he began to have somewhat of a stewardship of God's promise, he found success as a slave. Then what happens? He gets torn down. Maybe he he found himself hopeful and is thinking, you know what? I'm beginning to see the plans of God uh, unravel in my life. And he just gets socked on the side. He gets sideswiped. And now he's thrown into prison. And in prison, what happens 
is even while he's in prison, he gains success. He encounters God's favor even there. Let me read it for you. It says, And Joseph master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was and showed him steadfastness. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. It says... Your microphone. Can you guys still hear me? Okay. Yeah, I think you just cut out for a minute. <clears throat> it says, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And so here's the word overseer. I don't know what it is in the original Hebrew. But in the Greek, that's the same word uh, that we get, we find in, in, the, u- in the use of um, a description for a pastor as an overseer. So he got the, his little prison ministry going on. <laughs> it's not that he's preaching to people, but he, he's committed to overseeing everything, to managing everything. And so once again, he finds himself in a less, this is probably not the ministry he signed up for. And so you're thinking, God, this, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I feel like you've called me to. And you find yourself in a foreign land, a strange country. You find yourself in a in a, a bizarre situation, or you find yourself doing something that you're not so sure is God's will. But God knows what he's doing. And he's having to take you step by step by step. And and um you have revelation for what shall transpire in your life, but your your physical eyes are not seeing it. This is why we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. This is why I believe that great maxim that no man is greater than his prayer life. Because you can read the news, you can listen to the news, you can read articles, you can read the paper, you can do all these things. But guess what? You're only going to get the the vision of time. You're only going to get vision of man. You're only going to get vision of other people's lives and what they say or what they think God is saying. And I'm not denying the, the need for books and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, there has to come to a point to where your desperation draws you to that solitude before the Lord, that solitary confinement in the silence and in the wilderness and say, you know what, Lord, I need you to speak to my soul. I need to uh, cut out all this other noise, all these other frequencies, all everything else that I'm hearing. I need to shut my ears to what I'm hearing and even great advice, godly advice and I need you, O Lord, to speak to my soul. I need you to reconfirm, to reattest and realign whatever it is that you want me to do for for my life. I need you to come through. I need you to impart hope into my soul yet again. Amen. Because he's not seeing 
the manifestation, the fulfillment of God's promises. But this is the exact process that the Lord had allowed him to go through. And what happens is a baker and a cupbearer, it might be significant in some way. Joseph gets thrown into prison. Jesus was thrown in, um, not necessarily prison, but, you know, he got arrested. And um, before he got arrested, what did he do? He took up the cup and broke the bread. Joseph is arrested. There's a cup bearer and there's a baker. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 shekels. The father set his love upon Jesus Christ, the son. The father set his love upon Joseph. Would it be too far? Would it be too, too much of a stretch to say that there are maybe many things in your life that you don't give yourself enough credit that actually typifies Jesus, that you serve as some sort of representative of Jesus and the life that he lived? This is the way that the master went, shall not the servant tread it still. So many of us are treading the same path that Jesus himself treaded. The same path that Jesus himself walked. Every time you endure slander, they slandered him. I think that the church in times of discouragement need to preach to the devil and say, you know what? I'm not that same person anymore. I may not be perfect. I may may not be sinless, but you know what? I will sure... Uh, I know that I anger the devil because I still look like the one that crushed his head. I look like Jesus who put uh, the devil into open shame. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, God, speak, O Lord, I pray. May your power, Lord God, thrust catapult everybody into where they need to be lord hallelujah thank you jesus but what happens is they share their dreams and as they share their dreams joseph interprets it isn't that interesting you get locked up for a gift of god on your life No, for real. You get into trouble for speaking what God showed you. But he interprets their dreams. And in one case, the guy, the the, prof, the dream was, in three days, you're going to die. For whatever reason, Pharaoh found fault with the cupbearer and found fault with the baker. The baker dies in three days, but in three days, the cupbearer is restored. But here is the condition. He says, you know what? I shared the interpretation to your dream. So what you need to do now is when you get uh, restored to your position, Joseph is telling the cupbearer, you have to remember me and tell Pharaoh. But what happens is the cupbearer forgets. And so it looks like Joseph literally cannot catch a break for his life. And for this, this is two entire years that transpire and then finally pharaoh has a dream and then the cupbearer still a cupbearer who's still in service to pharaoh says oh man i forgot about that one dude that i was locked up with 
You know, my bunkie, the Christian that was always preaching about Jesus to me, <laughs> the guy who I said was annoying. See, and I want to say this prophetically, continue to preach Christ and the revelation that God has given you in, in your jobs, in your schools, your workplaces, because years later, that revelation will come back to them. Amen. And they'll say, oh, now yeah. I know what, what that guy was talking about. Now I know. But he says, I know this guy who interprets dreams. You know, I've had that actually, you know, <clears throat> it was an amazing testimony. <laughs> One day I was in prayer and I felt like the Lord prompted me to go to the hospitals and just pray healing over people. And I was going room to room and I was knocking. I say, I know this sounds crazy, but I said, I just come in room to room asking if anybody needs prayer. And there was a man who was on the bed. He was in horrible condition. And I prayed for him. He said that he was really down because his wife could not even visit him that day. <clears throat> and I prayed for him. <clears throat> About two years later, I'm street preaching at my local farmer's market where there's hundreds, if not maybe 1,000, 2,000 people present. And I'm street preaching. And I see this guy, he's like peeping me out and it's, it's night. So, you know, there's a bunch of people walking back and forth and this guy, he looks hood. I'm like, dude, who, who's this guy tripping? Like, what is, what does he want with me? You know? And so I'm like putting my mic down, like, okay, what does this guy want? And he's just, he's just standing there like this, looking at me. And he, he goes like that to his wife. I'm like, dang, this guy's tripping off of me. <laughs> I was like, maybe I said something offensive to him. But he comes up to me, he says, hey, man, you don't know me, but about like two years ago, you prayed for me in the hospital. And he said, he said, I just wanted to say thank you, man. I, I didn't know I'd ever see you again. He says, I was telling my wife, uh, I wanted to come and talk to you. And my wife said, go ahead, go ahead and tell him. You go, go talk to him. I was like, wow. And it was such a blessing that I didn't know his name. I didn't know who he was, but all I know is, Two years later, this man comes up to me and says, I got healed that day. He said, I got restored. He said, thank you so much for praying for me. It was a blessing, man. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> but he says, he tells Pharaoh, you know, I know this guy that knows how to interpret dreams. He said, bring him here. And so he stands before Pharaoh. And this is what Joseph tells him. He says, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And so he gives him the interpretation of his dream. <clears throat> and what happens is in Genesis chapter 41, verse 37 Joseph rises to power because it was obvious that Joseph knew the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. And so as a result, here, here's the amazing thing, because now here's, here's the climax. Here's where exactly Joseph needs to be for that dream he originally had years ago. 
At this time, do you know, at this time, Joseph is 30 years old. And when his brother sold him into slavery, he was 17. That was 13 years of his life of probably living through hell, living through delayed promises of God. And he needed endurance. The Bible says in Hebrew says you have need of, of endurance so that after you have completed the will of God, you will receive what is promised. He had endured for 13 years. Based off a dream, he had no further confirmation. He couldn't look up uh, Paul Washer on YouTube or couldn't look up, you know, some of these great ministers for encouragement. Like, dang, I'm feeling down. I wonder if I did hear from the Lord. But finally, he, he get, the very gift that got him locked up was the very gift that elevated him to where he needed to be in God. The very gift that, that, gave him, that allowed for that interpretation of the dream that he shared with his brothers and got him locked up, got him thrown in a well, got him traded, is the very thing that the Lord is now using to get him to the place to fulfill the will of God on his life, but it was not without process. It was not without difficulty. It was not without toil. It was not without trial and tribulation. <clears throat> and so he rises to power. And this is what Pharaoh says of him. He says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is no one to discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. So now he's placed in a position of authority. And see, this is a problem with a lot of us. We want to go immediately to God's plan. But you don't know that all these processes that you don't understand is very setting you up for you to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to you in private. He needed to be an overseer of Potiphar's house. He needed to be an overseer for his prison ministry, so to speak. Right? He needed endurance and, and the testing of his integrity. And this was all preparatory work for him to one day be a ruler in Egypt. And see, this is how you know God is with you. You don't have to finesse. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to use human strategy. You don't have to do any of that. See, it wasn't like Joseph took a course on marketing or business. Not saying that those things are wrong. It's not that Joseph took a course on how to pastor or, or anything like that, or how to be a ruler of Egypt. Rather, it was the purposes of God through suffering that got him to where he needed to be. Suffering was his school of education. Testing and trial and bending and breaking was his school of education. And let me say this class of, of the schooling is not occupied by many. But it is indispensable and it is necessary if you're going to complete God's will on your life. 
And I guess the question is, are we going to endure? Are we going to continue pressing into the Lord? Are we going to continue to press into God? There's going to be many sleepless nights. There's going to be betrayals. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be slander. People are going to malign you. People are going to plot against you, conspire against you. I wish I could sit here and say that the that the our walks with God are going to be easy. But you're going to face opposition. But the Bible says of of David in the book of Acts, Paul referencing him, and he says this, that after David had completed the will of God on his life, he fell asleep with his fathers. So what happens is when you complete God's will on your life, we finally have the rest to say goodbye to this world. But until then, the Lord has stuff for us to do. And the devil's going to do everything in his power to terminate and abort God's plan and call on your life. That was Joseph's calling. That was his calling. But I dare say that the Spirit of God is calling you today. The Spirit of God is beckoning you. The Spirit of God is drawing you out of your familiarity. He's drawing us out of what we're used to. He's drawing us out of what we're comfortable with. He's drawing us out of those early days of attending to the flock and having enjoyment with in company with his very father. And he says, I'm pulling you out. Can you hear the voice of God issuing a call to you today? It's a far greater call than receiving one from the president, receiving one from a celebrity, receiving one from this or receiving one from that. When God himself singles out everybody else and he says, I am talking specifically to you. Jarvis or Malachi, I'm calling you. Jonathan, I'm calling you. Andrea, I'm calling you. David, I'm calling you. Priscilla, I'm calling you. Are you going to drop that call and say it costs too much? I don't know if I I don't know if I'm willing to commit all that all of my being, all of my soul, all of my effort, all of my sacrifice to what Jesus is calling me to do. But if I I will dare say this that if you do not fulfill God's plan on your life, do you know who has a plan and a calling for you? The devil does. <clears throat> Are you, are you happy to go back to the stripper houses, to the bars, where the enemy just slapped us up, desecrated us, made a fool of us? Do we need to be reminded of of? The complete imbeciles we were, the complete fools we were. 
I remember doing some foolish things, man. Foolish things. Things that I'm embarrassed of. Before Jesus saved me. And I know the devil would love to have his way. To get us to slide back. And say, you know what? It it was easier. I don't got enough oil. And the night is growing dark. My lamp is kind of dimming. I don't know if I can go the distance. I think it's a shorter way back. It's too hard. You've come too far to give up now. And you know, here, here's the reason why a lot of us give up is because you think that you that the amount of sacrifice that you have given, that the reward that will be given as a result of that sacrifice will not compensate. For those, uh, for example, that cannot give up sweets, it's like, man, I want to work out. I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying that the call of God is, you know, but the the idea is I I don't want to give up sweets because I don't know if this sacrifice will actually compensate is worth these other goals. That might be so. You might like your chocolate cupcakes and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe you really do love that more than being fit. But I will tell you this, that the plan of God is a wonderful call. It's a call filled with joy. It's a call filled with meaning. It's a call filled with purpose. It's a call filled with destiny. It's a call filled with glory. And I want everybody in this group, everybody in this chat, at the end of their life, when you're on your deathbed or however the Lord decides to take you home, that you're able to cry tears from your eyes and say that I fulfilled the will of God in my life and I lived a life without regrets. I've lived a life of glory. I lived a life of honor. I lived a life filled with destiny and purpose. And it was all because of those early years when God spoke to me at 17 years old and he told me and he gave me a call and a plan for my life. And I I said, you know what, whether that means going into a pit, whether that means being sold into slavery, I'm not going to say no to God. I'd rather do this because I know that the latter end will be greater than my former. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I resonate with that because the Lord called me at 17 years old and I still remember that call on my life. The first call was the conversion. And it was a glorious conversion. Never been the same. But the second one was the calling of God when he spoke to me at an altar call one day. At 17 years old, first time I heard the voice of God. He says, I called you to preach my word. And I remember at that time when I would just share testimonies, how the Lord brought me to salvation, I would tremble with the mic in my hand and I would, I would go like this and I would stutter. My knees would buckle together and they would shake. And I, my, I, I didn't uh, uh, utter coherent statements. 
They were not logically sequential. I wasn't the best speaker. I wasn't even proficient in English, and I still used a lot of slang. And I still had a little bit of hood talking to me. But you know what? I knew what God did in my soul, and I knew what God spoke to me. I didn't even have a high school education. Even when I got saved, I had, I, I, I didn't, I had a sixth grade education in math and literature. But as soon as God called me, I got the easiest translation that I could read because I couldn't even read the NIV. I wasn't that good. I had to read an NLT because I couldn't read that good. But God would begin to speak to me and I began to have tears stream down my eyes as God would speak to my soul. And I knew, and, and, and while other people laugh like, hey, you got to get the KJV, the NASB or whatever, that Bible ain't the best. I know that God began to speak to me and God began to educate me. And the very people that laughed at me and the very people that d- doubted the call of God in my life were the very people that are backslidden today. And I, I don't say that out of hatred. I want them to come back to the Lord or, or they compromise their calling some along the way. But I can tell you that this has been a life of suffering. It's been a process of suffering. But that glory of God has anchored me through it all. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is a song by Marvin Sapp. He sees the tears you cry. He shares your pain inside. It says, and sometimes you wonder why. He allows you to go through what you go through. But it says, just know he has his hand on you hallelujah sometimes we wonder why he allows us to go through what we go through he says sometimes you feel like a child all alone like a child lost with no home they keep telling you to be strong but you say when will it end when will i win when um and that's what i want to know but just know that he has his hands on you hallelujah And so as we close, Joseph, he he was imprisoned and he was set up and he was lied about. But God had brought him to a place to where that call the Lord had given him at 17 was now fulfilled at 30 years of age. And that dream that he had, that his brothers would bow down to him and that he would rule, maybe he tried to infer what that would mean by his own limited human understanding. Maybe that meant like, oh, you know, I'm going to be a leader of my house. Or Who knew that he would be a ruler in all of Egypt? He would be delegated authority by Pharaoh himself. And then his brothers would come down along with his father. And they would recognize that very son they tried getting rid of. And now they're in a position of humility. They're in a position of vulnerability where they're relying upon him 
for food, relying on him to spare their lives. And the grace and the mercy of God that preserved him is the very thing that motivated his heart to not lay any charge against those who, his very brothers that tried to get rid of him. So as we come to a close, 